Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. Did you know that babies being swapped by mistake in hospitals is common? This happens more than I thought. I uh, I didn't know this until researching this case. And let me tell you, I am alarmed with what I learned. A pediatrics journal estimates 2,000 babies are accidentally switched at birth every year in America. And usually the mistake is caught before it's too late, before the mothers leave the hospital. But sometimes it isn't caught until after the mothers have left with what they think is their baby. In some cases, the mistake isn't realized for up to two years later. And in the case I'm talking about today, it's 10 years later. I saw another case where the mistake wasn't realized for 56 years. And by the time it was discovered, the babies were grown women and their mothers had passed on, never knowing they raised each other's babies, thinking they were biologically theirs. There are so many switched at birth cases out there. I spent an entire day flipping through them in shock. And I don't know if you remember the Office episode, the American Office, not the English one. Maybe it happened in the English one. I don't know. Where Dwight is prepping Michael for the birth of Jan's baby, but Dwight tells Michael to mark the baby right after birth with a secret mark. Only he knows to ensure they go home with the right baby. And this is meant to be a joke, but... Dwight, he's on to something. And after I learned what I learned, I uh, I gotta agree with Dwight on this one. I'm going to talk more about some other cases at the end of this episode, like two sets of twins that were born in the same hospital that got swapped. Not the twins, not each set, but one from each set of twins gets swapped with the other one and they went home so each one of these babies each went home with the wrong mother the mother thinking she had fraternal twins not identical twins and they grew older and they didn't look alike so like yeah because you're fraternal not identical but no they were born identical twins their twins just got swapped with the other twin which is wild and they don't figure it out until they're in their 20s and it's not even rectified by the hospital or blood tests. They actually accidentally find each other in Colombia. And yeah, I'll, go, I'll talk more about that later. But in today's main case, this one really stuck out because there is heavy hints that this swap might not have been an accident. It's possible these babies were switched on purpose and it may even be possible there was inside help from the hospital. Otherwise, this whole thing that happened wouldn't have happened if someone on the inside didn't know. To avoid any unsavory backlash from this episode, I'm not going to say the name of the hospital and I'm going to change the name of the doctors as well because none of this has been proven that the switch was on purpose it's only speculated, so I don't really know what we're working with here. There was some lawsuits that were won by the families, so we do know some stuff. So I'm, I'm just going to steer clear here. I'm not going to say the name of the hospital. I'm not going to say the name of the doctors. So let's just get into this week's episode titled, This Isn't My Baby. November 29, 1978, in a small Florida town called Wachula, an eager mother named Barbara Mays is finally getting her wish and gives birth to a baby girl they named Kimberly. The birth was rocky and an emergency C-section had to be performed. To Bob and Barbara Mays, the pregnancy didn't come easy and they have no other children, so, so this was a huge deal for them. Three days later, a woman named Regina Twig is brought into the hospital to give birth. And this isn't the first time for Regina. She and her husband, Ernest, have a beautiful growing family. They have lots of kids. They have five kids at home waiting for them to return with this, with their new family member, with this new baby. Unfortunately, Regina's last baby girl, Vivia, had died very young, three years before uh, this birth is taking place and Vivia died from a heart defect which broke her heart it broke the family's heart everyone was just absolutely devastated little baby Vivia had died from a heart failure heart defect 
So Regina, she was a little bit nervous about the birth, but she did amazing. It was a fast labor. Everything went great. And she gave birth to a baby girl that she named Arlena. Upon birth, the doctors told her that the baby was healthy and she was relieved and she was just so happy that, you know, she wasn't going to have to go through the trauma of having to lose another baby because it was really hard on her. This is a very small town. This is a very small hospital. There weren't many babies in there at that time. Not many women were giving birth. Um, And there was only one doctor delivering these babies, the same doctor who I will call Dr. B. He delivered these babies three days apart from each other. There can't be many babies in the nursery. It sounds like there was only three. And this is important to remember later. Regina had been successfully breastfeeding her newborn baby for two days after the birth. But on the third day, something was happening or something I should say wasn't happening. Regina noticed that the baby that she had been breastfeeding perfectly, it was a shade of blue, had a slightly darker skin and wasn't latching on. This baby wasn't breastfeeding and Regina had a mother's instinct that this wasn't her baby and she even said that to the nurses. The nurses told her it was her baby and they told her that the bracelets on the baby's ankle and wrist said Twig baby. So this was her baby. This was Regina Twig's baby. But Regina had a feeling it wasn't her baby and even mentioned it to her husband. And he told her, that's stupid. This is your baby. Don't talk like that. And basically wouldn't hear it. Regina had no choice to accept what was happening. No one would help her. No one would hear her. Not the nurses, not her husband, nobody. So what choice does she have in this situation? Um, you would A mother knows her damn baby. Why aren't people listening to her? She had carried her baby in her body for nine months. She grew this baby. She had breastfed and held her baby for two days. She had that strong connection that only a mother could have. And she's saying, this isn't my baby. And everyone around her is just shutting her down. That is crazy. Regina, she would know who is and who is not her damn baby. Regina was then soon informed by another doctor that her baby was born with a severe heart condition where only one out of four valves were working, which absolutely devastated her as the hospital didn't think the baby would live longer than one week. Regina had been through the pain of losing a baby three years ago like this, and all that pain was resurfacing. It was all coming back. Regina Twig and Barbara Mays, they were in hospital at the same time. Regina actually saw Barbara after they had both given birth. The encounter was so odd that Regina, when when she was out of the hospital, she told people about it saying she saw another woman in there who had just had a baby and the woman told her that she had had a baby girl, but the woman didn't look happy. She didn't look joyful. She looked kind of sad. And before Regina could carry on the conversation, A nurse suddenly shooed Regina away, saying, this is a very sad story. And it really stuck with Regina because she was wondering, what's so sad about it? What's happening here? What's going on? Eventually, Regina leaves the hospital with the baby. The hospital insists is her baby. The baby with a life-threatening heart condition. And Barbara Mays leaves with a healthy baby girl with a perfectly working heart. Regina had been instructed to take her baby to a pediatric hospital for further care, and she did, which resulted in saving the baby's life. Regina worked hard and provided around-the-clock care for her baby once they were home. And that one-week life sentence they gave her baby was tossed out the window as baby Arlena grew stronger and stronger. Arlena wasn't out of the woods yet, though. As a child, She was limited to how much she could run and play and climb trees. By limited, I mean hardly any at all. Her circulation was very poor. It's, she, she couldn't understand why she couldn't run and play like everyone else. And that's all she wanted to do was run and play with everyone else. And at the age of nine, she took a turn and without heart surgery, she was going to die. But the same surgery to save her life 
could also pose a threat to her life. Regina knew that without the surgery, Arlena would for sure die. There was no question about it. So they went ahead with the surgery, at least to try and save her life. Before the surgery happened, the doctors discovered something very odd. Arlena's blood type was B positive. This is alarming because Regina and her husband are O negative and O positive. There is no way that they could have naturally given birth to this child with a B positive blood type. In search for more answers, they went to John Hopkins for genetic testing. And this is when they discovered Arlena was not their child. All those years ago in the hospital when Regina insisted this wasn't her baby, she was right. This was shocking to the family, of course, but with Arlena needing a life-saving surgery, they didn't have time to think about anything else. They just wanted to get her into the surgery, to get her better so she could just live her long, beautiful life. And Arlena, she did have the surgery, and for a moment it looked promising until her kidneys failed, which resulted in her death. At the innocent age of nine, little Arlena died, leaving the Twig family devastated. They never told Arlena about the genetic test. They were going to have that conversation when she was out of surgery and healed and better and healthy. And even though biologically Arlena wasn't theirs, they wanted, they if they were to have this conversation with her, which they, but they didn't get to have, they wanted to tell her that she would always be their baby. She would always be part of their family and they loved her deeply. She was their family no matter what the genetic tests say. But this raises another question. If Arlena wasn't Regina's biological baby, then where was that baby? Who has that baby? Regina remembers something strange that happened when Arlena was two years old. One day, Regina received a phone call. And the phone call was from a woman she didn't know. She didn't know this woman at all. The woman said they had given birth to their babies in the same hospital and was wondering if Regina would like to have a play date and get their babies together. And Regina said, yeah, okay, and gave the strange woman her home address. The woman never officially showed up. But after that phone call one day, Regina noticed a car parked out front of her home. The car's engine was still running. It was just sitting there. And Regina had the feeling it was the strange woman and went out to greet her. But the car drove off as Regina approached it and she never saw who was in it. Why would this woman want to meet up for a play date with someone she had never met before? Was this woman calling to see if the baby Regina took home from the hospital that day was still alive? Did that strange woman know that Arlena was born with a severe heart condition? And if she did, why would she be so curious two years later? Well, it turns out that around that same time of the phone call, Barbara Mays, the other woman from the hospital um, who gave, who was in there when Regina was in there, Barbara had been diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and she was dying. This was a, this was not looking good. This cancer was very in advanced stages and it was looking like Barbara was going to die. So was it Barbara Mays who made that phone call in an attempt not only to see if baby Arlena was still alive, but to see her before she herself died? If she knew she was going to die, then she had nothing to lose. But perhaps she got scared and drove off without ever getting to see the baby that may actually be her biological baby. Maybe she was very curious. Regina, she wants answers and she hires a private investigator. This PI digs into the hospital's records and discovers there was only three babies born in that hospital at the time Regina had given birth. And only two of those babies were white females, Regina Twiggs' baby and Barbara Mays' baby, one born with a heart condition and one born totally healthy, one born to a wealthy family and one born to a working class family. Regina and Ernest Twigg, they were the working class family. They didn't have much money, but they made do with what they had. They had this big family that was worth more than money 
could ever buy. Ernest, he was a hardworking man. He worked for a train station and Regina was a stay-at-home mother. Despite the fact she had a teaching degree, her family came first. Bob and Barbara Mays, they were well off financially. Bob was a salesman, very charismatic, good salesman. But more importantly, Barbara Mays was the daughter of a wealthy man who owned a company called Coker Fuels. Coker Fuels had been around for a while and it was well established in that area. People knew this family. They were a very well-off family. So what happened here? Was baby Arlena Twig actually born as Kimberly Mays and vice versa? What the private investigator found led to Regina Twig pursuing a $100 million lawsuit against the hospital. And this story blew up. The media got a hold of this and this story, it skyrocketed. It was everywhere. Once the investigator knows where this baby could possibly be, he tries to track it down. So an investigator goes to Bob Mays and he asks him, are you willing to supply a DNA sample of from your daughter so we can do genetic testing on it to see if your daughter is actually Regina Twig's daughter but Bob he refuses he won't even entertain the idea he is outraged and he gets a lawyer to deal with this as he is going he's going to fight this he makes it very clear he's going to fight this by this time Bob his wife Barbara she did die from that stage 4 ovarian cancer so she's not around anymore nobody can ask her questions if she knows anything the it's been taken to the grave but Bob he is convinced he is viciously convinced that Kimberly is his and his late wife's baby and the FBI They even do a polygraph on him. So he agrees to this polygraph from the FBI and he passes. So it would appear he wholeheartedly believes Kimberly is his biological daughter. To me, the polygraph isn't concrete evidence. I don't really, I I wouldn't, I don't trust them that much. I mean, you can extract some information from them, but it's not that reliable really. And Bob, he's had years to convince himself Kimberly is his daughter. And after all those years of being a father to her, you can see how he could pass a lie detector if he did actually know something about how the babies got switched. You can see how he could pass a lie detector if he did actually know something about how the babies got switched because it's been many years. He's had a long time to, you know, rebuild this world in his head to switch these lies around to possibly even believing his own lies or it's totally possible he didn't know anything and he did believe Kimberly was his biological daughter. Bob Mays was very vocal in interviews that Kimberly is his biological daughter and he says he doesn't need to undergo genetic testing because he knows he is on the defense and he will not budge he is like this is my daughter I don't need to prove anything to you who are you strangers get the fuck out of here. But people were not getting the fuck out of there. People wanted answers. The investigators wanted answers. The Twiggs family wanted answers. I'm sure the hospital is pretending they want answers. It was just a, uh, it was a wild time. Both Bob Mays and Regina Twig, they were going on talk shows. And they were being interviewed by the news. And this story is picking up more and more momentum and also a legal battle is underway as well this was getting huge I mean the hospital already had a 100 million dollar lawsuit out against them that is that's crazy that's a that's gonna that's gonna attract media attention on its own and then you mix in this baby switching story with a wealthy family and a working class family and an you know a child born with a defective heart that ends up with the poor family and the family that is wealthy they end up with this healthy baby that isn't even there so you can kind of see why this story was so huge both sides had lawyers both sides were fighting against each other and this was in this was going to go to court whether bob mays wanted it to or not bob he was making it clear he was concerned for his daughter's mental health undergoing all this stress Some people in the public were saying, well, if Kimberly is actually Regina's daughter, then wouldn't a mother want the best for her and not to 
you know, take her from the life she's always known, the life she's grown up in. And there was a, there was a lot of argument about what was right and what wasn't. Regina Twig, she wasn't asking for custody. For some reason, the public just thought that I guess that was what Regina was looking for. But Regina, to begin with, to, to start, she just wanted to know, is where did my baby go? Is this my baby? And everyone just assumed she would want her baby back had she found her baby after all these years. Both sides, they have solid arguments. If Kimberly is actually Regina's daughter, then should Kimberly be sent to live with a family she doesn't know? Or should she stay in the life she has always knew with the man she has believed to be her father for the last decade? What would cause less damage, but also what is right, both legally and morally? Bob, he had lost his wife to cancer, so the thought of losing his daughter must have been absolutely crushing. Regina had lost not one, but now two daughters to heart failure. Both sides had experienced loss and trauma, so you can see why each side was fighting so hard. Let's go back in time and look at what Kimberly Mays' life was like growing up in a family that may not be biologically hers. When Kimberly was two years old, her presumed mother died. That's when Barbara died. And Bob Mays, he had remarried a woman named Cindy. From that point on, Kimberly now thought Cindy was her mother. But later in life, Bob and Cindy, they divorced. And then Bob basically forbid Cindy from seeing Kimberly. So now Kimberly's lost mother number two. Bob had also made it really hard for his late wife's parents to see who they thought was their biological grandchild. So Barbara's parents, which would be Kimberly's grandparents, he didn't want any contact with them either. So Bob, he's shown this weird pattern of keeping people away from his daughter. But why? Cindy ends up being interviewed during the time of all this legal battle stuff. So this is Bob's uh, ex-wife, his second wife, who they are divorced at this time. And she reveals a different side of Bob, that Bob is actually abusive physically towards his daughter, Kimberly. He had a really short fuse. He had a bad temper. It seemed like he was just controlling and he would beat Kimberly as a young child. Uh, even in the first grade, this was happening to her. He was hitting her with books, whipping her with belts, having her stand in her underwear and whipping her back in her legs with a belt just because she got a bad grade. Just really terrible, terrible stuff. Cindy said Bob would call Kimberly names, like yell at her and be like, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're an idiot, which that's just really fucked up to be saying to anyone, let alone your six-year-old daughter. All this was not looking good for Bob Mays. After Bob divorced Cindy, he remarried again to a woman named Darlena. And this is the wife he had when this genetic testing battle was underway. So she was she was with Bob when they discovered, hey, it's possible your babies were switched at birth and this isn't your baby. So now Kimberly is on to mother number three. Eventually, Bob Mays does agree to have Kimberly genetically tested, but under one condition. Regina Twig may not ask for custody if the results come back that Kimberly is actually Regina's biological daughter. And Regina, she agreed to this, but she did say that she wants to meet Kimberly. And this seemed to be okay with Bob. He seemed to allow this. Maybe he felt like he still had some control over the situation. The test results come back and Kimberly Mays was actually born Arlena Twig. The babies were switched at birth. And now there is stone cold facts and science to back up the suspicion Regina had all those years ago. The Twig family was so happy to have found their long lost family member. You could just imagine how wild that would be. And Regina, uh, Regina and the rest of the Twig family, they were allowed to meet Kimberly for the first time. And they all went mini golfing, which I love. I love mini golfing. I haven't been mini golfing in so long. After researching this case, I really want to go mini golfing. Anyways, the meeting was beautiful. All went well. And she even called Regina mom, according to Regina. This even came up in court. 
So Kimberly, this must be her mother number four in her life. She's had four mothers in her life by this point. She's only 10 years old. It's, um, that's gonna, I don't know. I don't know much about it, but I feel like that's gonna be psychologically damning. But since that meeting went so well, they had more meetings where the family would get together and, and go bowling with Kimberly and just nice family time stuff like that. They seemed to be really getting along. Everybody in the family, her brothers, her sisters, she was meeting them. She looked like them. She resembled them. She, it was probably, you know, a really nice belonging feeling. Suddenly, Kimberly has so many brothers and sisters and she fit in so well with them. It just would have been lovely. There was like footage I watched in the, it was done by ABC. ABC did a really good uh, documentary on this um, called Switched at Birth or Stolen. And you can see Kimberly in these like family movies when they're bowling and they're dancing and they're singing and she looks so happy and she's laughing and it just looked like a really nice time. Kimberly, she must be so confused at this point in her life because this is the mother she was stolen from. Then the mother who raised her to the age of two dies and then Bob's second wife becomes her mother and then they divorce and Cindy isn't allowed to see Kimberly and then Bob marries again so she has another mother but then she meets her real biological mother. So yeah, like I was saying, Kimberly has four mothers by this point. Eventually, Bob Mays cut off contact between Kimberly and the Twig family. Bob Mays says the impact of Kimberly meeting her biological family was having a negative impact on her. He claimed she stopped doing well in school, which he seemed to have this weird thing with her grades because like I said, it comes out later that he did beat her when her grades were slipping. So I don't know, maybe her grades were slipping because she was distracted that she was going to get beaten and berated with terrible name calling when she got home. I don't know, just a thought. But he says it had a bad impact on her, on her grades. It was having a negative impact on her overall. So he wanted to cut off contact between Kimberly and the Twig family. But really, it sounds like he got scared he was going to lose control of the situation and of his daughter. So maybe that's why he did it. And of course, this led everyone back into the courtroom. The Twigs were now requesting more time with Kimberly than they were even granted before. Something else was happening in court with Bob Mays and the Twigs family. The Twigs and Bob Mays won the lawsuit against the hospital responsible for switching the babies at birth. And I didn't get an exact figure, but each family won over $6 million in the lawsuit. Originally, the twigs were shooting for $100 million, so it would be interesting to see how much they went away with. But we do know that the twigs got $6 million in this lawsuit and Bob Mays got $6 million in this lawsuit. Minimum. It could be more. It said over $6 million, so I don't know. Then another legal battle comes about. Now, this is crazy. This is a crazy turn of events. I did not see this coming at all. Kimberly Mays is suing her biological family for a divorce. The twigs are shocked. What the hell is going on here? Everything was going well between the twigs and, and Kimberly until Bob cut off contact. What changed that made Kimberly want nothing to do with them? Previously to this, Kimberly was saying she loved the Twigs. She was telling them, I love you. She was calling Regina mom. And she was seen having a good time playing with her biological brothers and sisters. She was fitting into this family. She was feeling a sense of belonging. What the hell is happening? By the time Kimberly is suing them, she is now 14 years old. So years have passed and a lot of court time in between. And Kimberly appears in an exclusive interview with none other than the queen of journalism, Barbara Walters, on 2020. I love Barbara Walters. I was watching Barbara Walters interview people on 2020 since I was about nine years old. When I hear Barbara Walters' voice, I just feel so warm and, and safe inside. Barbara Walters is, to me, she's on the same scale as David Attenborough. I just... I love Barbara Walters. When I hear, I'm Barbara Walters and this is 2020, I get chills. I get chills. And you hear the 2020 music. I just, I love it. So 
Barbara Walters being the badass journalism she is, she got this exclusive interview with Kimberly Mays. But before this interview had happened, it came out that the Twig family, they had suspicions that Bob and Barbara Mays knew about the switch and that they suspected that they had something to do with it. Barbara Walters had previously interviewed Bob Mays because of course she did. She leaves no stone unturned, this woman. And she asked him about this. And of course, he denied all of the accusations that he and his wife purposefully switched the babies at birth. So back to Kimberly's interview. She appears in this exclusive interview with Barbara Walters on 2020. She's 14 years old, 14 and a half years old at this time, and says that her father, Bob Mays, is so loving and caring. And she paints this picture of a girl who loves her father and her stepmother, Darlena, and feels safe with them and, you know, that they have this beautiful, great family. Kimberly tells Barbara Walters that her father is never abusive, never hits her, never calls her lazy or stupid, never calls her names like that, only pumpkin pie and, and, and sweet endearing names. So she's giving off this vibe that Bob is this very loving, caring father. Kimberly says that Regina Twig was planting ideas in her head when they first met when she was 10 years old. And Regina was telling Kimberly that Barbara Mays had switched her with the Mays' biological baby in the hospital. Did Regina say that? Well, we don't know. But could it have sounded like that when explaining to a nine-year-old that she was accidentally switched at birth? Of course it could. Did Bob Mays put Kimberly up to this? Totally possible as well. It won't be for many years later we hear the truth about this interview Kimberly did with Barbara Walters on 2020. In the meantime, the court battle was unraveling for Kimberly to divorce her biological family. And of course, this would have been absolutely heartbreaking to Regina because in court, they asked Kimberly on the stand, do you love Regina Twig? And Kimberly responds on the record, under oath and under God, no, sir, I do not. Oof, ouch, that must have really stung to Regina. She said she never loved Regina. She said she only told him that because that's what she says to everybody. She also tells the court that she doesn't want to be taken away from her father. She, it's her greatest fear to be taken away from her father. She wants to stay with the father she's always known. Kimberly Mays, she ended up winning this divorce. And legally, she never had to see the Twig family ever again. But remember, she's 14. She has an abusive father who is saying Kimberly had this whole idea all on her own. What kind of 14-year-old has the idea or even knows the court system so well to just say, hey, I'm going to divorce my biological parents after I was switched at birth and blah, 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 blah. Like that is a lot for a 14-year-old to comprehend. So that I do not buy. He says he never pushed her into the decision. In fact, he cautioned her on it, which I also don't believe. So there is a lot going on behind the scenes that could be steering her in the wrong direction maybe. Kimberly said she never wanted to see the Twig family ever again. And she fought in court to make this so to make this happen but then just a few months after she won the battle all of a sudden Regina finds Kimberly knocking at her door and Kimberly moved in with them she moved in with the twigs for two and a half years after this divorce if she hates them so much to say in court she never wants to see them again she doesn't love them and and all that other stuff then why shortly after this has she decided to go live with them? Well, it turns out that everything she said about her father being so loving and caring and, and not abusive at all was a lie. She ran back to Regina, to Regina. She did run back to her biological mother, but this didn't make everything better either. Kimberly Mays left the Twig family home at 17 and things got kind of rocky for her. She got pregnant very soon after leaving the home. She eventually lost custody of that baby. She got pregnant and had five more babies. And in a 2019 ABC interview, 
Um, so at this time, Kimberly is now 40 years old when she does this interview. She said her father was abusive. She lied in that interview with Barbara Walters. She lied in court. She did all of that lying because she said that's what she felt she had to do to survive. And she has a lot of regrets about a lot of things that happened. She says her father did beat her. He did call her names like lazy, stupid, idiot, and just was very, very cruel to her. She also says she feels like Regina Twig was overbearing and smothering. So she couldn't really find this happy family she was looking for wherever she went. And although she does say that Regina was overbearing and smothering, she does say that Regina seemed to have like good intentions. Her heart was really good, but maybe it was just too much for her because maybe Regina was trying to make up for lost time and trying to cram in years of of you know mother-daughter bonding and relationship into a short amount of time maybe that's what was happening there but yeah that's why she ran away from the Twig family home at age 17 it was just all too much and I mean processing all of that at that young age can't be easy she said she feels like she never had a mother, which is just, that's heartbreaking. She also says she tries not to dwell or feel anger. So she doesn't want to dwell on the past. She doesn't want to dwell on all those things that make her angry. She doesn't want to live in the state of anger. She just wants to move forward with her life. But still, the question lingers. Were these babies intentionally switched? A woman on her deathbed in 1993 may have given the answers everyone was searching for. Patsy Webb was a nurse's aide working at the hospital at the time of the babies being switched. And wanting to clear her conscience before going to the great beyond, she tells an attorney and the and in media interviews of what she knew. Patsy says someone in the hospital asked her to switch the babies. And in fear of being fired and losing her health insurance, she said no, she absolutely wouldn't switch the babies, but also she wouldn't say anything if a switch happened. And she says someone in that hospital did switch the babies by switching the bands on the baby's ankles and wrists on purpose. Everyone believed Patsy's confession except for the hospital, who basically called her crazy. But you know what? You don't have to take Patsy's word for it. Let's just check the hospital records. This is where things get interesting. The night of December 3rd, 1978, a night nurse shows up for her shift only to be told she's not needed and someone is going to cover her shift. So just go home. Just go home. Take the night off. Kick your feet up. So she leaves. The nurse covering the shift is a good friend of none other than Barbara Mays's mother. So connections happening here. The Mays's family, they were well known in the community, but not the Twigs. The Mays's family had friends working at the hospital, but not the Twigs. The Mays baby is born with a life-ending heart condition, but not the Twigs. December 4th, 5 a.m., Regina breastfed her baby with no fuss. December 4th, 7.30 a.m., both the twig baby and the maize baby are weighed. And what do you know? They have swapped weights. The twig baby is weighing 5.5 ounces less than the day before. And the maize baby has gained 5.5 ounces overnight. That same morning of December 4th at 9 a.m., Regina is given her baby to breastfeed. But this is when um, she notices her once perfectly nursing baby won't breastfeed. And Regina is suspicious that this isn't her baby. But nurses tell her, no, no, this is your baby. Shush up. You know, you don't know who your baby is. You didn't. Um, how, how would you, how would a mother possibly be able to know their baby? The next day, December 5th, both Regina and Barbara are set to be released from the hospital and a routine blood test is canceled on both babies by a doctor we will call Dr. P. Dr. P, he wasn't in charge of this, but yet he swooped in and told the doctor who was in charge of it to cancel it. And so the doctor listened. Had the blood test been done, the mistake would have been uncovered then and there. 
but it wasn't. The blood test was canceled. This means that sometime between, so let's just see here, 5 a.m., Regina breastfeeds her baby. 7.30 a.m., the weights of the babies are changed. So anywhere between, what, 5.15 and 7.30 or 5 and 7.30. So we've got a two and a half hour window there where there's nothing on the record between the breastfeeding and then the weigh-in. And the weigh-in at two and a half hours later is clearly swapped. So sometime December 4th between 5 and 7.30, somebody switched those babies. And with only three babies in the nursery, how is this possible? How can that happen? And they both weighed significantly different weights. If, if say a mistake did happen, let's just play devil's advocate here. Say both babies at the same time kicked off their anklet and their bracelet, which had their name on it. And they're like, whoa, both babies and, and the bracelets are on the ground. And they're like, we don't know which babies are which. Wouldn't they just check the records, weigh the babies, and then put the bracelets on the correct weighing baby? So again, even if this was an accident, there was a very easy way to see whose baby was whose baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it possible the Mays family had friends on the inside who swapped the babies because they knew how hard the Mazes had tried to have a baby. So they had feelings for the Mazes. They were, you know, they knew them. They didn't know the Twigs, you know, but they did know the Twigs already had five kids and thought that the swap would never be found out because they assumed the baby with the heart condition would die within a week, never needing a blood test ever again. Therefore, never exposing that the you know it's not their baby bob mays he died at the age of 65 and if he knew anything about the swap he never said anything on his deathbed about it is it possible that bob and barbara knew nothing about the swap that perhaps it was the hospital workers that took this on and did it themselves well that's what i caught myself thinking until I remembered that phone call Regina got from the mother who wanted to schedule a play date all those years ago just because they gave birth in the same hospital, which is, that's weird. And uh, also that brief encounter Regina had with the other woman in the hospital who looked sad when she was holding her baby girl and remembering the nurse shooing Regina away saying it was such a sad story. Was the sad story that that mother's baby was born with a heart condition that was fatal. It seems like the swap did happen on purpose, but nobody has ever been held responsible for it. Someone tried to play God and it resulted in more damage than it did good. I said I was going to talk about some other switched at birth cases and the other one that really stuck out to me was the twins that I was talking about at the beginning of this episode in Colombia. I'm just going to talk casually about this one. Uh, I will post the articles in my show notes, if, but I, I won't be crazy specific. So if you want dates and towns and, and names and all that, then feel free to follow the link in my show notes. It's all in there. I'm just going to talk casually about this. This is just a little conversation I want to have. So this one, this swapped at birth was wild. Again, you have two sets of twins born to two different mothers. One of the mothers... She lives in a very poor rural area of Colombia. The other set of twins is born to um, a well-off family who lives in the city. One baby from each set of twins gets swapped accidentally. The babies go home with the mothers who, you know, they think are their biological mothers. One set of twins grows up in the mountains. One grows up in the city. As they're growing up, their mothers start to think, maybe you aren't identical twins. Maybe you're fraternal twins because you guys, you don't look identical at all. Then the the twins that are born in the, or the, the twins that live in the mountains. One day they're in their 20s. They're thinking we got to move to the city. We can make more money because um, they're from like a, you know, a poor rural village. They move to the city. One of the twins there is working in a butcher shop. A woman comes into the butcher shop one day and starts talking to him like she knows him. 
And she's asking him, why are you working at this butcher shop? You work with me in, in the office. And he's basically like, lady, I don't know you. I don't work in an office. I work here. And the woman was thinking, I think she asked him, can I take your, your photo? Because you really look like my coworker. And he must, or, must have agreed because she goes back to the office and she shows her coworker, wow, this guy who works at the butcher shop, he really, really looks like you. And they end up finding this guy on Facebook and they're like, whoa, your brother looks exactly like my brother. So then they end up getting in contact with each other and they just meet up. And you can see, uh, I posted a link and I believe you can, it's the link is of the first time they meet. One of their friends was taking a cell phone video of them all meeting up for the first time and they couldn't believe it. They could not believe it. And that's how they discovered that one baby from each set of twins was swapped and each one was growing up with the other one's biological brother. So these, we're not talking like, you know, this is, it's just wild. You have four people meeting each other and realizing that they have an identical twin. So now there's two sets of each person that they didn't know existed at all. It is wild. And what's even crazier is that this was discovered on their own. It, they had grew up miles and miles and miles hours and hours and hours, a whole country apart. And they end up meeting randomly by the guy's co-worker sees him and takes the photo back and blah, blah, blah. Go on Facebook. Your brother looks like my brother. Let's meet up. Oh my God, we were swapped at birth. It wasn't, the hospital didn't realize this mistake. The mothers didn't realize this mistake. Nobody realized this mistake until they were in their twenties and someone just saw him working in a butcher shop and was like, no, no, you look exactly like my coworker. It's just the, the whole, and what's even crazier about this is there's that whole study of nature versus nurture. So these twins, they're being like researched, like, okay, so do a lot of, do the twins who are actually identical, do they share a lot of same, a lot of the same traits? Do they think alike? How much of their biological makeup makes them who they are and how much does how they were raised make them who they are and the biological twins the identical twins who had never met before until their 20s they did share some character traits one of the traits was like one set of the biological identical twins Every time the conversation kind of steered away from them, they would start scrolling on their phone. The other set of twins, they were more flirtier and charismatic. Um, so there are a lot of studies being done on them because it is really the ultimate nature versus nurture study here. Like scientists must be going out of their mind with this. Okay, now I got another uh, swapped at birth story that I watched and it just made me think, what the hell is going on here? And this is really weird because all of these stories seem to have a poor family and a well-off family or, you know, a wealthy family, a family with more money, a family with less money. And these babies kind of seem to be getting swapped like this. And this one happened in South Africa. Two babies born on the same day in the same hospital in South Africa get swapped at birth. Each mother takes home the wrong baby. At the age of two, one of the mother's fathers wants a biological test done to see if this is actually his baby, he wants a DNA test done. The DNA test comes back, it's not either of your babies. Your babies were swapped at hospital. So then the hospital is like, oh shit. And they end up tracking down all the mothers and babies that were born that day in the hospital doing DNA tests and they realize, okay, your babies were swapped. Uh, we found your real baby and we know who whose baby this is. And then so the mothers have this decision to make and it's the, basically the decision is, do we swap them back? We've had these babies for 20 months now. We've been raising them. They're almost two years old. Do we swap them back now? Or do we just keep raising the child that we've been raising since day one. I think one of the one of the mothers was like, let's swap back. And the other one was like, no, this is my baby. I have, this is my baby now. I'm in love with this baby. Let's just raise each other's babies. And that's basically what ended up sticking. But remember, one of the 
children, the child who's supposed to be born into the wealthy family, he's living in this poor family. By the time they turn 14, so they've been seeing each other on and off, by the time they turn 14, the child who is living with, you know, in the in, in poverty, basically, in, in, with the poor mother, a single mother, he can see the life he could have had. He can see he could have been with a well-off and, you know, have a much easier upbringing. And he says, I want to go live with my biological mother. And his mother who raised him was like, okay. I mean, she really didn't want to let him go, but she let him do that. But things were rocky in the household with his biological mother because he had this feeling like, why didn't you fight for me? Why didn't you want your biological son back? Because she was the one that was like, let's just raise each other's babies. So this led to a lot of fighting in the home. This was this had a lot of psychological damage on, on this boy. And by the age of, I think, 17 or 18, he left. So again, we can, yeah, this is kind of like what happened in today's case, the one we talked thoroughly about. So he left... And he didn't have a relationship with either of his mothers, not the mother who brought him up and not his biological mother. Then, so this is all 60 Minutes Australia. They covered this story for like 25 years or something. Then they go back when he's in his 20s and he has his own baby. And his baby is seven months old when they interview him. And he's asked, what if something happened and you had to give this baby back? Like, Basically, what if you learned you brought home the wrong baby? Would you want to swap with the person who has your real baby? Or are you so in love with your baby now that you wouldn't swap him back? And he said he understands his mother's decision a little bit better now because he has a seven-month-old baby. He's absolutely in love with it. And he wouldn't give up his baby for anything in the world. And because of this new lease on life because of seeing things differently him and his biological mother actually have a good relationship now and it was it's wild I've linked it in my show notes and that is an absolutely wild case that one and honestly the switched at birth stories they go on and on and on and on I could literally talk about this for three to four hours just spitballing cases that I watched briefly it would the list is long I believe there's even a whole series called switched at birth which I didn't really get into that series I was just watching the 2020s the 60 minutes um more stuff like that so I'm not really sure what the the tv show entails but I'm pretty sure it's a series called switched at birth because that's how many times this happens this happens a lot so just imagine the people that never discover it oh and like at the beginning of my podcast I was talking about Sometimes it takes 56 years because that actually happened. I believe that was in America. These women, I don't know how it came about, but they discovered they were switched at birth, but they discovered this 56 years later. And by that time, the mothers who raised them were dead, never ever knowing that they had raised each other's children. And it, it, these stories are just crazy. And I just wonder what hospitals do today to make sure that this doesn't happen. What do they what do they do? How could we be so sure that you're not going to go home with the wrong baby? I don't know. But anyways, that's where I'm going to end this week's episode. Please follow, rate, review, share, do all the things that you can do to help me out. I really appreciate it. Um I don't know where that song came from, but yes, please follow, rate, review, share on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, I'm looking at you. I'm not sure what options you have, but my podcast seems to be doing very well on Stitcher. I appreciate that very, very much. If you would like to head on over to the Hell Knows Instagram, that is hellno underscore a true crime podcast on Instagram. And I post photos pertaining to the cases I cover. I post my Halloween costume. I put my Christmas tree in my story the other day. It's just, there's a lot happening over there. So if you want to follow me on that, I would love to see you there. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye.